I've asked a couple of folks to, to bear their soul uh, to you all, and, it, and it's certainly not an easy thing to do. Um, and uh, so I uh, felt I probably needed to bear my soul as well. Don't really want to, but I will. I appreciated last week that, that Justin talked about uh, his grandfather and, uh, and mental health. I've been working in mental health for 32 years, and I still see the stigma that's there, and it's terrible that uh, that stigma is, is still there. Mental health uses a, a little book called DSM-4, and there's lots and lots of traits in there. And I am convinced <laughs> that everybody is in that book somewhere, because um, we all have traits. That, that are in there. So if you have enough of them, then, then you get some diagnosis. But I, I've struggled myself with, with depression, with mild depression, uh, dysthymia, call it that. Uh, and working in mental health, I did not want to be on medicine because I thought, hey, I know the answers. <laughs> I, don't, I don't need that. Um, but I've, I've discovered that it's been helpful for me um, to be on uh, some uh, medication uh, for that. I've not shared that with a lot of people. Um, I, uh, I, I suffer from being grumpy <laughs> too much of the time or negative. Uh, and, and that's helped me uh, to not be as grumpy. I still have moments where I, where I am. Um, but it's, it's been helpful uh, for me. Um, but I, I can't do it alone. I mean, me medication and medicine is just not uh, all of it. Um, but I did a lot of praying. I did a lot of praying for, for God to uh, bring a, upon that, that healing for me. Um, and that certainly has helped. Um, I don't look at it as a, as a, a crutch that I need. Um, just like folks that are maybe diabetic, they need medicine. That's not their crutch. They, they just need the medicine to help with, the, with, with things. So that's kind of the way I, I look at things too. But. So that's my story, my story that um, never thought I would have a story, but I, I guess I, I have one now. But um, the, um, it, it's been real helpful for me, but it, it's it taken time to, to pray and uh, put God first uh, has been uh, the most uh, helpful thing for me. So uh, during this tune here, um, folks are going to be uh, bearing their soul through some cardboard testimonies.
is our portion. He is our
You've got a hand. That is transforming power that God has bestowed upon each and every one of us. When your car is broken too, there's only one thing you want to do. Open your mouth and let it spew. But I am telling you, stay positive. When you're baking a cake for your family, your kids are hopped up on caffeine. Your fluffy cake is now kind of lean. Remember, don't be mean, stay positive. Is that not a tune that gets kind of caught in your head, though? Does anybody have that tune running through their head last week afterwards? Because I did, like all day long. Of course, I had to listen to it a lot more than you guys did. Uh, you know, it, it's always incredible to be able to see people willing to share their stories the way that we just saw people share their stories, whether it's through uh, writing it on a piece of cardboard or whether it's being willing to stand up in front of people and share or whether, you know, however it comes across, it's incredible to see the transformative power that Jesus gives us. And it's incredible uh, responsibility, but it's an incredible privilege that we have to be able to share that with other people too, that you know, we can, we can walk down the street, and when someone asks us, hey, why are you different? Well, we get to share that story with people, and that's a pretty awesome thing. You know, last week, we jumped into this series that we're kind of calling Stay Positive, because we have gone through a year of a lot of reasons for us to not be positive. You know, I don't know how many times I've heard the statement, well, you know, <laughs> that's 2020 again. Like, if you're on Facebook, if you're on social media, you're starting to see that people are already putting up their Christmas trees, and they started putting them up, like, the day after Halloween, because it's kind of this movement this year of, let's put up our Christmas trees early, because it's 2020, and we might not make it to Christmas the way things are going right now. So, it's kind of this fun thing, like, hey, there are no rules this year. You want to put up your Christmas lights? Put up your Christmas lights. Just go ahead and do it because it's 2020, baby, and there are no rules that we have to follow because everything else is out the window, so why not? And it's, but it's easy in the midst of all the things that are going on to not have that positive outlook on things. It's really, really easy this year to just see all the things that are falling apart, and we've talked about that over time. You know, I shared with you the struggle that I had as far as, you know, my, my final months of being a full-time youth pastor with the youth group that I had been working with for four and a half years. Like my final months there were all on Zoom. And Zoom is not a fun place to lead a youth group. I mean, there are groups that are just, they are knocking it out of the park with Zoom youth groups still today because they're not able to be back in the you know, meeting together. And then there are those who are sitting there going, how long, oh Lord? You know, kind of that Psalm 13 that we read last week. How long, oh Lord, how long do we have to live in this? How long is it every time I do something that I'm going to get attacked for it because I didn't do it the right way or I didn't follow COVID protocols to the letter all the way through? How long, oh Lord, is this going to happen? Even as a, a leader, you know, there, there's a little bit of that running through my head of a couple of days ago, I had to get on and, you know, we got the news that the governor had kind of stepped us back a little bit in our stages and so cut down the numbers that could meet together but churches were exempt and churches could meet on Sunday morning so church leaders are all of a sudden having to go okay what do we do now 
You know, because we've got these events scheduled and we've got, obviously got Sunday morning scheduled. What do we do? Do we, you know, do we meet halfway? Do we go full bore and we say no more groups of over 50? Do we say, hey, you know what? We're exempt. Let's just go ahead and meet. Like there was, and there, there wasn't a lot of time to make those decisions. So as a staff, we had to talk about it really quick and it was a bad time for it because I was up in Anderson for three days um, meeting with some pastors and, you know, having a good time but learning some things too which those can both be together. It's not like if you're learning, you're not having a good time. But, but I was up there and trying to communicate with staff in the midst of all that in like this black hole of cell phone service and internet service, so it was hard to contact each other. And, you know, then we had to make the announcement to you guys, and there's always that little piece in the back of the mind right now that no matter what decision is made, somebody or some group of people is not going to like it. Somebody or some group of people is going to say you don't love people enough or you're running in fear or whatever. It doesn't matter what decision you make, so we had to get on there. But I say all that to say this. I was very grateful this morning to see so many more of you being willing to come in and say, you know what, this isn't how we want it, but we'll throw this, this mask on our faces just for a little bit. We'll, we'll do this just to come in. And that's not to like those of you who didn't, like shame on you. But that's to say, I was so grateful to not see a Facebook feed full of complaints. And you're not doing this right because I saw that on a church that's not too far away from us, that they announced what they were doing and the first comment out of the gate was, you're doing this wrong and I'm not a happy camper right now. So thank you, church. That's what all that was about. Thank you for taking this and from, my, from what I see anyway, Taking this as a, we're going to fight for unity on this one. We're not going to fight to fight. Because the truth is, and I mentioned this in that video, but it was near the end and it was a long video, so you might not have gotten to it. When we're past COVID, there will be another reason for us to fight. And so we can practice right now how to actually get through things as a unified body of people instead of as a group of people who are just going to stab each other in the back and fight over every little thing. This is practice for the next thing, and then the next thing, and then the next thing, because we live in a world that will throw troubles at us, and we've gotta be prepared for those troubles. If you would, that was, that was all in the way of saying thank you, and let's be prepared for the future, but if you would please open up to Luke chapter eight, if you brought your Bibles, stick your finger in there, and then if you would like to open up to Philippians chapter four, you can put your finger in there too. Those are the two spots that we're gonna be this morning, because as we're, as we're talking about this idea of staying positive, you know, last week we talked about how we have to be willing to admit that we are not okay. We have to be able to have those moments with one another. But we also, you know, I, I said last week we have to be able to not be okay. We have to be honest. That's kind of like this first step that I'm just staying positive. But we also have to recognize that we can't just always walk through life with everything is bad, and we can't just always walk through life with the sky is falling. You know, that was, that was Chicken Little, right? The sky is falling. Am I, am I getting there? Okay, good. My Sarah's out of town, so she's not like the person that I can look at and be like, "Hey, remind me how that kid's story goes," because I don't know the kid's stories, but she does. But we can't just walk through life all the time being like the sky is falling because one, that's going to be hard for us, and it's also going to be hard for all of the people around us if life is just always. Like, we're going to have those moments, 
And there's going to be some things that we need to do to fight through those moments. And, you know, we talked about some of that last week, that it's not always just a, well, I'm just going to mind over matter. Everything's good. It's awesome that we've got to have some other things in place that we're able and we're willing to do. But there's also some things that we just need to be doing all the time. And what I want to talk about this morning is the cure for the complaints, the cure for complaining. Because we all know those people that just walk through life complaining about everything. If you don't know those people, it's because you probably are that person. So if you can't picture that person, most of your friends are probably picturing you right now. So maybe this will be a little bit of a gut check for you this morning. I'm reminded, we were asked the question this past week, like what is one movie that you would suggest to everyone that they watch? Like this is the you have to watch this type of a movie. And, and the other pastors, some of them, they were bringing up like these really, really deep movies. That this is the, if I was going to recommend one movie that you have to watch, this is it. Um, it got to me and I was like, well, I, I really want to say Rocky 2 or Rocky 3. Uh, but I feel like that's not quite where we're going with this. I ended up bringing up the movie Brian Banks, but then as I was driving home yesterday from Anderson so that I could get here and jump back in the car and go up to Indy to take my, my wife and my son to the airport, I, re- I was reminded of the movie Eight Seconds. Did anybody ever see the movie Eight Seconds? Yeah, like that was one of those movies that I watched on repeat, and I actually... When we were getting the house ready to move in Casper, I actually put that movie on and was kind of watching it, and it really slowed down my moving process because it pulled me right back in again. But I was reminded of this scene in the movie, and those of you who have seen it, you might remember this one or you might not because it's not like the biggest scene in the movie. But I'm reminded of a conversation that Lane Frost's mother is having with him. And uh, in this, in Lane Frost, you know, he's, he was considered one of the most promising young bull riders in the world uh, before tragedy hit. But, but Lane Frost is talking to his mom, and they're talking about his dad. And she tells this story about their wedding. You know, she's talking about how, you know, the music was great, and the dancing was great, and the ceremony was great. But, but at one point in the ceremony, it was this tradition that you would grab the groom and you would take him out and you would throw him into the, the water trough. And so they threw him into the, into the water trough. They threw Lane's dad into the water trough. And for the rest of the ceremony, like he was in, or the rest of the, the party, he was in just this foul mood. Nobody could get him out of it. Like he would just kind of, you know, he's at his own wedding dance and he's over kind of standing in the corner and like, everything is horrible, everything is bad. And you know, never mind that he had just gotten married and this was his wedding day, like everything is horrible, and she finally, she pulls him aside later, and she asks him, what is going on? And he goes, they ruined my boots. She's like, what are you talking about? When they threw me in the water, they ruined my boots. So he's got this whole life ahead of him with this woman that he loves, with this woman that he just married, and he's solely focused on the fact that his boots are ruined. You know, not like he can't go get another pair of boots and I'm sure they were really, really nice cowboy boots, and I know those aren't cheap. That's why I don't own a pair of them yet. But he let it ruin everything. And we all have done that at some point in our lives, where we let one little thing ruin this entire just amazing thing, this amazing experience, or we know people who have, you know, allowed multiple little things to ruin this really awesome time in their life. But they they ruined my boots That was his thing. That was why he was so upset. In Luke chapter 8, in, uh, ah, 
I got to stop moving so much when I get ready to read because it just messes up with my pages. So in Luke chapter 8 and verse 22, I want us just to look at a quick story here and see if you can kind of relate to this story. See if, if you see how it relates to the boots. How is this story about ruining boots? Luke chapter 8, starting verse 22, it says, One day Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. And this is, I love this part of it, this is a side note. But he says, let's cross to the other side of the lake, and they, what do they do? They get in and they do it. Like there's no, well, are you sure? Like on the other side of that lake are the people that we don't associate with. You realize that, don't you, Jesus? No, that's like, no, Jesus said it, so let's get in the boat and let's go do this. As they sailed across, Jesus settled down for a nap. But soon a fierce storm came down on the lake. The boat was filling with water, and they were in real danger. The disciples went and woke him up, shouting, Master, Master, we're going to drown. When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and the raging waves, and suddenly the storm stopped, and all was calm. And then he asked them, Where is your faith? The disciples were terrified and amazed. Who is this man, they asked each other. When he gives a command, even the wind and the waves obey him. Now they had already seen so many things that Jesus had done and miracles that Jesus had done before this. And like we often sometimes do, they forgot. And then he shows them again. And so they're asking the question again, who is this guy? Like he keeps doing these crazy, awesome things. Who And, you know, I sit there and I read this story and I'm like, man, if I'm following this guy and I gave up everything, I feel like I'd kind of want to know who he was. But they were slowly learning that he was a lot more than they thought he was when they signed up for this. Here's the part of the story I really want us to grab. I wanted to have that little backstory. This is what they had just gone through. And here's the part I really want us to look at. So they arrived in the region of the Gerasenes across the lake from Galilee. Someday we're going to talk about how significant that, just that line is, but today's not that day. As Jesus was climbing out of the boat, a man who was possessed by demons came out to meet him. For a long time he had been homeless and naked, living in the tombs outside the town. As soon as he saw Jesus, he shrieked and fell down in front of him. And then he screamed, why are you interfering with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Please, I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had already commanded the evil spirit to come out of him. This spirit had often taken control of the man. Now, now listen to what this man was doing and what his life was like before this moment. Even when he was placed under guard and put in chains and shackles, he simply broke them and rushed out into the wilderness completely under the demon's power. Now, again, someday we're going to take some time and we're going to talk about the significance of that and the significance of spiritual warfare and how it is not like you see in the show Supernatural. It is not like you see in the Hollywood representation of demons. There is true power with these evil spirits to the point that they can take a regular man and give him strength to break chains off of his wrists. There are other stories of, you know, there's a story of a little boy in scripture that the demon would cause him to throw himself into the fire. Real power here. And that's what this man had been living under. He'd been running around completely naked and not caring about it. And I know society was different, but it wasn't that much different. Running around completely naked, hurting himself, being able to get out of any chains they put on him. And Jesus has this conversation that we're looking at now. And Jesus demanded, what is your name? 
Legion, he replied, for he was filled with many demons. The demons kept begging Jesus not to send them into the bottomless pit, or in some translations it says not to send them into the abyss. There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby, and the demons begged him to let them enter into the pigs. So Jesus gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man and entered into the pigs, and the entire herd plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned. When the herdsmen saw it, they fled to the nearby town and the surrounding countryside, spreading the news as they ran. People rushed out to see what had happened. A crowd soon gathered around Jesus, and they saw the man who had been freed from the demons. He was sitting at Jesus' feet, fully clothed and perfectly sane. Look at the the transformation that had happened in this man. He had been a man who was obviously demon-possessed, running around naked, hurting himself, probably hurting others, being able to break chains, living in a cave, and now all of a sudden he's sitting in front of Jesus, he's put some clothes on himself, and he is completely sane. All of that craziness gone. And they were all afraid. Then those who had seen what happened told the others how the demon-possessed man had been healed And all the people in the region of the Gerasenes begged Jesus to go away and leave them alone. For a great fear, a great wave of fear swept over them. So Jesus returned to the boat and left, crossing back to the other side of the lake. The man who had been freed from the demons begged to go with him. But Jesus sent him home saying, no, go back to your family and tell them everything God has done for you. So he went all through the town proclaiming the great things Jesus did. Had done. It's an incredible story, and I, I don't know how many times I've, I've read through this story and I've asked that question of, but why did he let the demons go into the pigs in the first place? Like, why not just say, no, you're going down to the abyss, and that's this whole conversation that we had a great conversation on that over the past couple of days. But what I want us to look at this morning is these people witnessed a man who had been demon-possessed be completely healed, and now is all of a sudden completely sane and is sitting at the feet of Jesus. And instead of celebrating over this, they immediately look to the negative things that happened out of this. He sent the pigs to their death. He sent the pigs to their death, so now we are afraid of him. He did this awesome, wonderful thing, so instead of celebrating in it, we're going to, we're going to spread fear among people. It kind of it makes me think of a story I read recently about a church that had been starting a new program to reach out to young teens in the area. And I don't know exactly what kind of ideas they had had, but they were bringing these teens in, and they started having a lot of teens showing up. And out of the, you know, the course of about a month or so, they had a teenager give his life to Christ. They had another teenager get baptized. They had all of these incredible conversations that were going on. Teenagers were asking to be discipled, which is, if you've worked with teens, that's not a conversation they typically come up to you and say, hey, will you disciple me? They had all these questions being asked of them. But in the process of this month, a window was broken in the church. And so when the board came together, they started discussing this, and they're talking about, well, yes, this child was saved, and this child was baptized, and these children, you know, they want to be discipled. Oh, and this window was broken, so obviously this program isn't working because we can't have our building destroyed. There's obviously something better we can do because 
a window got broken. And so they scratched the whole thing, true story. Scratched the whole program because they got distracted by a window in the building being broken. Now we can look at some of those stories and you know, we, we read the story out of Luke and we hear stories like that and we're like, wow, those people really need to get it together. Like these people in Luke should have been excited about what happened. And that church should have been excited about these teenagers seeking Jesus. But what about when that's us? What about when God does something awesome in Monroe City First Church of God and what we notice is that thing that changed that we didn't want to have change? Or we notice that something got damaged? Or we notice, fill in the blank, You know, rather than in 2020 looking at the amazing and awesome things that God has done throughout the course of this year, we lament that, and and I, I have, I'm not throwing you all under the bus, I'm saying I've lamented over this, we lament that we had to postpone our Thanksgiving dinner on Wednesday night coming up. Because we were looking forward to that, but you know what, God has done awesome and amazing things. We can choose which one of those things we're going to focus on in our own lives. It can be so easy to have God doing all of these wonderful things. God's put me in a group of friends. God is, you know, it would be easy for me to move here and say, man, God has put us in an incredible church. And that's what I told those pastors that we were with or that I was with for the past several days. God's put us in an incredible spot. God has put us in a group of people who are hungry for him. God has put us in a group of people who have had this young pastor come in with a weird haircut and they haven't complained and they haven't attacked him, at least not to his face. I don't know what they're saying behind my back. But, but God has put us in this awesome spot where, where so many people were bringing us fruits and vegetables when you know, the gardens were ripe and, and you know, he's, he's doing all of these wonderful things and we had this awesome worship service a couple weeks ago that was that was you know and so I'm gonna be honest with you I didn't realize that the platform had been the way that it had been for so long for me to move a platform like our platform moved like every month I didn't realize what a big thing that was but I didn't get you know I, I didn't get people complaining to me about it and in a lot of churches that would not be the case like a pastor, if he did something like what I did, with even though I didn't know, now I will say my staff never said anything about that, but a lot of pastors would have been run out of the building for what we did, and I didn't have that happen, but it would be really easy for me to say, but here's all the things in our church that aren't going well. You know, here's some of the complaints that we have heard under the table, and, and you know, we, you know, we don't have the exact lighting that I would like to have in the building, and and, you know, we, we have technical difficulties like pretty much every single week. And, you know, it would be really easy to sit there in that group of pastors and just, here's the things that aren't perfect. But the truth is, God has done so many awesome things. And God has done so many awesome things through you in the time that I've been here. That, man, for me to sit there and do that, I would be all those other people in Luke chapter 8. And I don't want to be all those other people. We all have that choice. And some of us, our natural inclination is to go to the complaints. Our natural inclination is to look at the, yeah, but what about that? That wasn't good. You know, that that didn't go. I've I've got some amazing brothers. And we all, except for one, and we're praying for him, really, really enjoy watching the Kansas City Chiefs. He's a Bronco fan. We don't know why. 
Um, we pray for your salvation every single day. But, I, but sometimes, even in the midst of a Super Bowl winning season last year, what I would hear was, well, we won by 30, but our defense allowed a lot of yards. And I'm sitting here going, but we won by 30. Who cares? The defense can allow 1,000 yards. I don't care as long as we win the game. And that's as we're on mission for the church, for God, as we're on mission, like that's what we're measuring here. Yes, some things aren't going to go well. And I'm not saying that you just have to sit back and be like, you know what, do whatever you want and it, my, my feelings and my opinions don't matter. That is not at all what I'm saying here. But we need to stop as people and we need to look and say, okay, are we winning the mission that God has put us on? Now, maybe we allowed some yards, but are we winning the mission that God has put us on? We do that in the church and we do that in our lives. You know, it would be really easy for those who came up here and did the cardboard testimonies for Satan to pull them back into things. And for Satan to be like, well, yeah, that's where you are now, but remember where you were? Remember how far down you fell at that point? Remember where you were emotionally at that point? You really think you've gotten past that? Like, if you were there once, you can be there again. I made some, I've made some mistakes in my life that I'm definitely, I mean, any mistake I'm not proud of. But I've made some mistakes in my life that I'm really not proud of, and it can be really easy for Satan to get at me and say, yeah, but, but what about that one? Are you really that good? Has Jesus really done that much in your life? And we start pulling ourselves back into it, and oh man, I slipped up. Well, I'm a, I'm a horrible person. I, I might as well just give this up. I might as well just not even try anymore because I don't have what it takes. Satan will try and get us, he'll try and get us to fall into that complaining game. He'll try about our own lives, about the church life, about the United States of America. He will try and get us to focus on the things in life that aren't good so that he can pull us back down. In Philippians, I shouldn't have thrown that down there yet. In Philippians chapter 8, that was that other spot that I told you to put your fingers in. Or sorry, Philippians chapter four, there is no chapter eight in Philippians. Some of you are probably looking at that like, what is he talking about? Dan and, Dan and Nick were actually teaching this in the, uh, the fifth, sixth, and seventh grade boys group a little while ago. Um, I believe that there are a lot of passages in scriptures that have multiple applications to them. They're not opposing applications, but they have multiple applications. I'm not applying this in the same way that Dan and Nick were applying it in their group. Doesn't mean they're in opposition, they're just different. It says in verse six, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Don't worry about anything. Don't be anxious about anything, some of the translations say. Don't live in the opposite of peace about anything, but instead through prayer, and in some translations it uses the word thanksgiving, present your request to God. Through prayer and thanksgiving, 
See, that, I think, is where a big shift needs to happen in our lives. As we look at the news, as we, as we look at the church, as we look at our personal lives, as we look at our families, whatever it might be, I think that's a big shift that we need to do. Is you know, we, we often talk about take your requests to God, and that's very true, but he actually says take your requests to him with a heart of thanksgiving. Meaning we're not forgetting what it is that he has done. Even in Psalm 13 last week, David was really honest with him that I'm struggling and I'm wondering when you're going to fix things. But my heart will continue to sing praises to you. I will continue to bring these to you, thanking you for what you have done. See, what happens is, this is, uh, this is a little bit of my youth pastor days coming out here. This is where we start. When we decide that we're going we're gonna to trust in him, we're going to say, you know, I'm not going to be anxious about anything. This is where we start. A nice, cool, clear glass of water. I would say it's good, but I don't really like to drink water. For those of you who like to drink water, I'm sure it would be a nice, very tasty drink of water. You know, that, that's what I would want a glass of water to look like. But as we decide to focus on other things instead, you know, even during this season, we've had to stay home way more than we want to stay home. God, we've, some great things have been going on in your church, but I haven't seen, and I might get myself in trouble for this one, I haven't seen a hymnal in the pew for a while. I'm really sorry, I'm not trying to attack anybody this morning. God, I really like what the church is doing, but our church would be a lot better if it had chairs instead of pews. And these are things that churches hear. God, I really like how you're, uh, how you're speaking to people, but I really wish that the, well, I really wish the pastor would cut his hair a little bit different. I actually haven't heard any complaints about it. I'm just waiting for him. God, I really like that we had a Faith in Action Sunday a little while ago, but it would have been better on Saturday instead of giving up a Sunday morning service for it. God, you've done some incredible things in our life, but, but you know, work right now, there's that one person at work that isn't very nice to me. So if you could just get rid of them, I mean, fill it in, what is it? What is it for you that's sidetracking you? And it just keeps going and it, it keeps going and you know, this is food coloring and so you could still drink it and it'd be fine, although it's, you know, is it red that's the one that's really bad for you to drink? I don't remember. Everything's bad for us to eat and drink these days. But if I got that out of the tap, I'd be a little concerned about that, right? Like, I wouldn't want that, unless it was Kool-Aid coming out of my tap, I wouldn't want that coming out of my tap. And that's what begins to happen. And other people who are around us, when we're like that, here's how they feel during that. They feel like being around you, when all you look at is the negative things in life, is instead of carrying an empty tray, well, now I've got to carry this little complaint that you have because you don't like that. Oh, you, uh, you didn't like that your, your son had bad breath this morning. Well, so sorry to hear that. That's a, oh, you don't like that that coworker comes in and, and doesn't follow the dress code all the time, so now I get to listen to you talk about that for the next 20 minutes. Oh, um, you don't, and, and it just fills up. And the people who are with you, they're trying to balance all of your problem, and it, that was actually harder than it was supposed to be. <laughs> but that's how it feels. Or we try to balance all of those things. 
And God is saying, no, 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 don't be anxious about it. Don't worry about any of these things. God is saying, focus on the awesome, wonderful things that I'm doing in your life. And as you do that, as you begin to focus on those things, God, thank you for the worship that we have with other people. God, thank you that we do live in a state that isn't completely shut down. Thank you that we live in a state where we're allowed to meet together as a church. Because I was just talking to a pastor from Seattle. He doesn't get to do that, even now. Only because his group is under 50 do they get to meet on Sunday mornings. But bigger churches, it's not happening. God, thank you that that we live in a place where, yes, people would like us to wear a mask, but at least they don't walk up to me and tell me that I hate people and that I'm trying to kill people if I'm not wearing my mask. Because same pastor in Seattle says if he walks down the road and he doesn't have a mask on, you better believe someone's walking up to him and telling him, why are you trying to kill people? You don't love people. When in reality, he very much loves people. God, thank you. Thank you that you do continually give us new ways to express our love for you. The more you focus on that, the more it overflows out of you to the point that even the people around you begin to feel that there is something different. That even the people around, it overflows to the point that your circle of influence actually grows because people want to be around you. They want to hear about why it is that you can walk through life without complaining and why you can walk through life without just seeing the bad things in life. And and now your cup that's overflowing from the good things that God has done in you begins to look a whole lot better. It's not to say that there's never going to be anything in your life that you're going to fall and you're going to complain over. There's not ever going to be a reason that you might need to talk to somebody and say, hey, this this is not good. It's like I said here in the church. I don't want you just to be like, hey, anything that we do, it's fine. Just do it. It doesn't matter. Like, I want you to be able to be honest about how you're feeling about things. My response to you will very rarely be, suck it up, buttercup. Like, it will most of the time be, let's talk about that. Let's talk about how we can get on the same page. Or if we can't get on the same page, why can't we? Like, we'll, we'll have that conversation There's always gonna be some things because we do live a life and and I don't want you to attack yourself because man, this time, this time I struggled. This time I complained. Oh man, I'm a horrible person now because I complained. But if we take Philippians chapter four and here's where that eight came in with Philippians. And now dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts and this is, the, this is the ultimate cure for complaining. This is the ultimate cure. There are other things that help. But this is the final cure. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. When I was growing up, I was taught it's tenerpla. Think about the things that are true Noble, right, pure, lovely, and admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about those things. It's taking hold of those negative thoughts 
It's taking hold of those complaints and it's saying, you know what? No, I'm gonna put in a different type of thought instead. Okay, this didn't go the way I wanted, but where did God work in the midst of this? And I'm gonna think about those things. I'm gonna think about the amazing things that God has done. I'm gonna think about the joyful parts of my day. I'm gonna focus on the truth in my day. I'm gonna, I'm gonna force through the things that are true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, and praiseworthy so that there's not room for, for Satan to put in all of those other thoughts. There's just not room. And you know, here, it's not gonna be easy from day one. On day one, this is, this is kind of like gonna be like, man, I'm doing a workout here. And on day one, I can't lift as much as the person who's been lifting for six months or the person who's been lifting their whole life. On day one, I'm gonna get done with day one and I'm actually gonna get there and be like, ouch, like this hurts. Everything in my body hurts. I love it when Sarah jumps into a new workout because like her legs will be sore and I'll come along and I'll kind of do this to her and she'll, ah! and she'll like yell. I know I'm a horrible husband. But like she'll scream at me for it and I just think it's hilarious. But it's gonna hurt at the end of day one. And then day two, you don't just wake up and be like, nah, I'm not going through that again. It's day two, it's like, here we go again. And eventually, after you've been going at this for a little while, you find out, hey, it's not the hardest thing in the world to think about what is true and noble and right and lovely and pure and admirable and excellent and praiseworthy. I can do this. And all of a sudden, I'm a more enjoyable person to be around. I actually enjoy my life more when I find reasons for gratitude instead of reasons for complaining. They have actually done studies that show that gratitude releases toxicity, toxicity inside of you. That gratitude release, or reduces your stress levels. Gratitude makes you a more enjoyable person to be around, not just because you're not complaining, but because you're building other people up. And church, we have so much to be thankful for. And the biggest thing that we have to be thankful for is this man named Jesus Christ. This man who took a child who said that he would never walk, this man who took someone who was selfish, angry, and lonely, this man who took someone who could only follow rules, this man who was an alcoholic, he took those people and he gave them a different story by dying on the cross for them and coming back and rising from the dead so that we could live in a life of gratitude. Staying positive isn't about just walking around being like, it's mind over matter, everything's good, yippee-ki-yay-yay. It's like, it's not that kind of stuff. Staying positive is about focusing on things that are true and noble and right and pure and lovely and admirable and excellent and praiseworthy and thinking about such things. It's going to Jesus and remembering that even as we pray, we live and we pray in thanksgiving because he has done so much for us. Would you stand with us this morning as we close out here? We're gonna come up and we're gonna sing a song here. And we're gonna sing about that Jesus. We're gonna sing about that Messiah. For some, 2020 has been a brutal year. And for some, it was brutal before 2020. For some, it's been all year. For some, it's been more recent. We all have some things that we struggle with and we all have some things like we said last week that we need to be able to be open about. But what are those smaller things that you're allowing 
to sidetrack you so that you're not focused on the things that you should be focused on? What are those smaller things? I would invite you this morning to take hold of those smaller things. Ask Jesus, what is it that I'm focusing on that I shouldn't be focused on right now? What little things can I let go on so that I can focus on the one who gives hope and the one who gives peace and so that I can be a beacon of hope and peace to others? As we're gonna have every week throughout the entire service, we have the altars or kneelers, whatever you wanna call them up here at the front, and we have candles that you can light. And I would invite you, if, if Jesus reveals something to you, like this is that little thing that you're allowing to let yourself get sidetracked with over and over and over again. It's distracting you from my mission. When I say my, I don't mean Justin's mission. I mean Christ is telling you it's distracting you from my mission, from Christ's mission. It's distracting you from living a life of hope and peace. I would invite you to come up and just light the candle and say, God, Take it away. It's coming up to you. I'm not gonna be anxious about it anymore. I'm not gonna let it pull me down anymore. God, I'm gonna live a life of gratitude instead of life, a life of complaining. We're gonna sing this song and I'm gonna come up and I'm gonna just give you a couple of things that are coming up this afternoon and through the course of this week. And then we'll leave through these doors and we'll go out and we'll show people what it means to live a life of hope and peace and gratitude.